Happy Friday, final weekend of spring break. Many of you are saying, what break? Some of you are saying, thank goodness I go back to work on Monday after a week with the kids. However you regard this weekend, happy Friday night. Mark Vandermeer with you. It's the radio program called Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris joins me for most of the program tonight. And I think really when you look at us talking to Chantrell Henderson, when you look at Johnny talking to Danny Barrett, new Texans running backs coach, relatively new, uh, Johnny's going to be involved in maybe more of the show than I am tonight, but that's just how we're going to roll here. How's it going, Johnny? That's okay, man. That's the way it's been. And, I, and you're at Texans 360 tomorrow night too, right? Yeah, and by the way, the inaugural Rodeo Houston Carnival game matchup. Matchup. Doherty v. Harris. Yeah, that's on HoustonTexans.com, correct? Yeah, you want to check that out. Oh, you want to check it out? You want to check Match it out. I haven't even I haven't even seen it yet. I didn't know really? we put it up. I didn't see that we had put it up. I I was like, I wanted those to video guys. They post stuff. Dude, they're so good. When you least expect so it, good. expect it. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you the one I liked yesterday. Meet the newest Texans, and Joe Amaral did that. Did yeah. a great job. And uh, job. It just, it's a, a great summary. Getting to know these guys. My wife loved it. My wife is kind of the unofficial focus group. You know, she looks at stuff and <laughs> yeah. tells me yeah. uh, what she thinks and. She doesn't really follow it with as close an eye as many of us do. So right. when she sees something, she's like, oh, yeah, we signed all those guys. Oh, that, that looks pretty good. I mean, she doesn't know these free agents yeah. that much. And I, I know a lot of these names, John, didn't quite pop off the page like, say, a Nate Solder would. Look, Nate Solder, to the average sports fan, wouldn't even pop off right. the page. Right. But in this, within this free agent class, non-quarterbacks, and there were no real top-flight wide receivers out there as well. Am I missing anybody? I can't put Sammy Coates, who the Texans reportedly got today off waivers, on that list, Johnny. But talk to me about Coates here for a moment. What are the Texans getting? And Sammy, a wide receiver. A physical specimen. When you see him, you'll go, that's what a receiver looks like. The problem for Sammy has just been consistency catching the football. That really is all it is for him. If he can catch the ball consistently, he would end up being a player in this league. But he just hasn't had a chance to do that or hasn't done it. And now he gets an opportunity to do it here in Houston. John Perry and all his little drills. You see, we see them in individuals. Mm-hmm. They they practice catching the ball, coming through these inflatables and other things that he does. And it seems to help these guys anyway. They seem to enjoy individuals. There's a lot of talking, a lot of camaraderie. But I think I've seen some results on the field. And look, Will Fuller caught the ball very well when he was healthy last year. Yeah, no question. And to your point yesterday about Brian Gain, what did he say? Bigger, longer, stronger? Yeah. That's Sammy Coates, a receiver. And I get the opportunity to say, play it again, Sammy, if he scores a touchdown, because I evaluate guys that way. Do they have interesting names that I can use in play-by-play vernacular? Can I work them in somehow? Of course, it's all about me. This is too much me right now in this part of the program. Well, that's okay. I did say one thing on the morning show with uh, Seth and Mike about Keenum. I said, if a year ago I told you that Keenum was going to get big money to sign as someone's franchise quarterback, what would you tell me? Would you tell me I'm crazy? Would you tell me to seek medical attention? What would you tell me? I think Keenum would have said you were crazy. <laughs> I mean, he took the job in Minnesota knowing full well that Sam Bradford is already there, that Teddy Bridgewater was on his way back. Yeah. But he still took that job. And then look what it look what it turned out. And to me, what I thought was interesting about watching Case from afar was the fact that every single week he was being asked, is this your job? Are you the guy? Are you the franchise? Are you going to be the guy? And he kept saying, I don't know, I'm just going out there and playing football. It's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, and he just kept playing ball and playing ball and doing a really good job, and that parlayed that into being number four now. 
with the Denver Broncos. He will be number four. Cause not number seven. Not number seven. That is worn and retired by one John Elway, the man who signed Case Keenum. A lot of people are saying that Elway should give up number seven for Keenum, considering Keenum was an Elway fan as a kid, and yep. there's a photo going around. I think Keenum himself tweeted it of him in a Broncos jersey when he was a little kid. Well, good for Case. I'm glad. We've always – I don't know how you feel, Mark, but – we had a chance to get to know Case when he was at U of H. He would come on our show and do a weekly interview with us, and it was great. And he, being of University of Houston, I think there's always this part of me that will cheer for Case. Mm-hmm. Not in a game we're playing against him, so when the Texans play the Broncos this year, it won't quite be that way. But I've always wanted Case to do well, and I have no ties to U of H other than the fact that I live here in, in the city of Houston and want U of H to do well. But I've just always gravitated towards him. And then when he played those two games, I'll never forget – that Baltimore game in 2014 when you had taken him on the duck blind. Yep. And I I wanted him to be our player of the game so we could do it up on the video board. And I'll never forget when, when the video board went on and it was his face. The place just lit up. Yeah. And he, I mean, he had, he had to kind of take a moment mm-hmm. to kind of soak it all in. And I'll always cheer for him. So I was glad to see that for him. And we'll see him on the field. Exactly. And we'll see him in, in 2018, of course. Uh, hopefully it'll go the way of the Texans. But it's it just goes to show how valuable that position is in this league. I think we've all known that, but I think this free agency period told us that even more, that a guy like Kirk Cousins, who's a good quarterback, has gone to a couple Pro Bowls, is making unbelievable dollars. Yeah. Incredible dollars. And you know what it told me as we bring it back home here? With Deshaun Watson, luckily a first-rounder, because then you got that option for the fifth year. But it is Sean Watson, while he's under a rookie contract, that's the time to build this thing yep. and get it going. That, that's a window because by the time he gets to year five, he's going to see more money than any player in the NFL. I agree. He, if he stays healthy, it's a right. virtual lock based on what we saw in six games. Virtual. I'll say virtual, meaning not in fact, right. but could be. All right, right now, this is fact. We will get to it here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, catching up with Chantrell Henderson, who was so happy to be a Houston Texan, introduced yesterday. Congratulations on coming to Houston. Welcome. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Brian Gain in Buffalo. He wasn't there long, but clearly he saw a lot in you that he really liked, and he signs you here. How well did you know him there, and what is it like to come here and meet him and sign with him? Um, honestly, I feel like i only seen Brian maybe a couple times I know he was always upstairs or either on the road so that's why I didn't exactly know who he was until I seen his face Mm -hmm. and then I was like okay I know he knows who I am (laughs) he clearly studied you though (laughs) yeah exactly yeah at that that point I'm sure you're probably thinking man I'm I'm, you know I'm glad I went hard that practice or (laughs) I'm glad I was doing good things because he was watching I mean it goes to show that everybody is watching your every movement every time that's the one thing that I always knew and that's why i always made sure it wasn't anything lazy coming from my way it was hustle hustle go hard every day and practice what you got to lose how do you look at this opportunity here because there's a need here texans need some offensive line help there's no doubt about that it's well documented and and you could be a big part of that um i feel i feel like i can fit right in as far as my size and my ability on the field and and things that I can do, I feel like I can fit right in wherever wherever you know O-line needs me to go. Tackle position is the one that we know you play, but left tackle, right tackle, if you had your druthers, which one are you most comfortable playing? Left I was, or right? I got to say I'm I'm most comfortable playing right tackle, but I've gotten more comfortable playing left tackle because that's 
that's where that, I played the whole preseason there. Um, in practice, that's all I played in practice the whole year with the Buffalo Bills. So I'm, I'm used to playing left too, but I know I'm, I have more experience at the right tackle. Now we've been talking about this a lot because guys that come through here, every guy that's come through here has had a versatility question, but they have versatility. You know, Aaron, we're talking about inside-outside corner. We're talking to Zach about center and guard. Right. And it would seem to the outside public that it's real easy to just, oh, this center to guard, right? Oh, tackle, left tackle, right tackle. No. But it's completely different, is it not? How no. different is it to go from left to right or right to left? I'll tell you, it is like moving to a foreign country and trying to learn their language. Hmm. Like, literally. Yeah. like, and And I can't speak for everybody, but from most people that – I know that played a position in was asked to move to another yeah. side. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. just moving one other foot back and the other one forward is and and trying to move in that motion is is like really foreign. So like you you really have to do it over and over and over and over again for it to become natural. A lot of repetition when you're playing this position. Yes. Now a lot of repetition of people asking you questions about Crohn's disease. I'm sure, and right. maybe you get tired of talking about that. But you answering questions about this disease kind of educates other people and inspires them really to fight it even more. Yeah, most definitely. It's just um, it's it's really tough because it's like, you know, those those stomach pains just come out of nowhere. It's like. Like, like you know how you ch- catch a Charlie horse in your leg, mm-hmm. but that's in your stomach, and then it just Ooh. won't go away. So you can't even stand up straight. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't wish it on on nobody. And it's like there's really not a big cure for it. There's things that help help it, that help mask it, mm-hmm. but there's not just a full on cure for Crohn's and bowel bowel diseases. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you don't know why you're hurting down there. But you've been able to get it with surgery and you've been able to address it and just maintain health somehow yeah i've been able to maintain it I'm, i mean i haven't had no stomach problems in two years excellent I, i've been i've been eating like like i'm a nutritionist and <laughs> i mean I, I, i'm not gonna lie i don't all the way like how i eat now but <laughs> i know i have to because i, I can't end, end up in that hospital. But you have to maintain weight, too. I mean, it's not like you exactly. can just eat alfalfa sprouts all day if that's what's the <laughs> right selection. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, I still got to keep my weight. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that hasn't been a problem, though. Okay. You grew up in Minnesota. You went to high school in Minnesota, famous yeah. Creighton Durham Hall. Yeah. You play in Buffalo. Now, you did have a couple of years, a few years down in Miami, so you got a little bit of that. But now you come to Houston. Are you putting all the cold weather clothes away? How good is it going to feel to get down and feel this warm weather all the time. It's going to be good to know that I can wake up and wear whatever I want to wear without having to worry about a jacket or anything, you know, even if it's raining. No snow, man. No yeah. snow, you know, so it feels good just to know that I can walk outside and the worst I'm getting is rain, you know? Yeah. Most definitely. And you're going to get some food choices down here, too. We were talking about diet. Man, I drove past a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that, can, that can really keep me overweight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll manage somehow. Uh, what was it like being with the Bills last year doing what they did? Because it was the first time in a long time. Man, the, the, just the feeling of knowing that, you know, you made it to the playoffs, knowing that the three years prior it was going home, exit meeting January 1st, going home the same day or a few days after so just knowing that you're advancing and you got another week to practice it just makes everybody want to go harder to, just to get there because now now it's a now everybody's watching you like it's a it's a playoff game everybody's watching like however many million people was watching the last game of the season it's double triple that now because 
you're on the main stage now. Everybody wants to be there. Right. So, yeah, it felt good, man. It felt good. Unfortunately, we lost to the Jaguars. You know, me and Coven talked about that. <laughs> yeah, you know? I was wondering. <laughs> and I, I, I let him know that they weren't supposed to win that game, but they got the outcome. It is what it is. Now we can all win as Texans. <laughs> exactly. And at that point, Chantreau, the the Texans' opportunity. How much do you, and and I don't know if guys throughout the league watch other teams or keep an eye on what's going on. Some guys do, some guys don't. But what what really attracted you to the opportunity here with the Texans? Well, pretty much just Brian Game, the head coach, the offensive line coach, the whole staff, like everybody on the team. Like it's like crazy. You guys have one of the best defenses and have had one of the best defenses since I've been in the league. Yeah. And the offense hasn't been that bad either. I mean, you guys really just had a tough last year. I mean, things like that happen elsewhere also, you know, so nobody's seen that coming. I didn't, obviously, you know, I got good friends that's on this team. And like I said, the city alone too. So it was a great attraction. Yeah. Something that I feel like I couldn't turn down side note from oh, from the money. Yep. Chantrell, thanks a lot for joining us and congratulations. I appreciate you. Thank you. That's Chantrell Henderson. Caught up with him here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. New Houston Texans offensive lineman. Texans sign an additional player or two over the weekend. We'll find out. But a guy was added to the fold today that we'll discuss next. And also, I've got this whole offensive line thing figured out. I'm going to run it by Johnny, see what he says. Also, Danny Barrett, running backs coach for the Texans. Very interesting guy. Used to be a head coach, in fact, for a number of years, but not in the NFL, in another pro league. We'll talk about that and more on Texans Radio. Moving right along here on Texans All Access, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We just had Chantrell Henderson on the show, and all that will be on HoustonTexans.com soon enough, and you can catch video interviews and all sorts of stuff with Chantrell and the rest of the players that the Texans have signed so far and have announced, by the way. Johnny, this on the offensive line, and I brought this up this morning on Sports Radio 610, my weekly appearance there, which I encourage everyone to listen to Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. But yep. I figured out the offensive line thing. I oh. figured out okay. what they're doing here. Hmm. What is what is an offensive lineman's favorite thing to do? Now, Seth said eat. I'm talking about on the <laughs> field, though. On the field of play. Hit someone. In what capacity? Run game. Run blocking, right? Yes. What did they all say yesterday? It kind of dawned on me last night. They were all talking about this. Well, I'm, a glu- I'm a good run blocker. I'm a run blocker. I'm yeah. a- they all said that, right? Right. All three of them. They all said they're run blockers. Hmm. I mean, they didn't say they weren't pass protectors. Right. But they talked about their ability and desire to run block. And then I thought, hmm, they were third in the league running the football when Watson was under center. Third point. rushing yep. offense. Never mind throwing touchdown passes, which was a lot. 19 TD throws by Deshaun Watson when he was in the lineup. But they were the third best rushing offense in the league when he was under center. And not all because of him, of course, his running ability, but the threat of him running. Sure. And I think what they want to do here, they know they can't. They don't have time to do two or three drafts and rebuild the line that way. They're going this free agency route along with what they already have, and they're going to get the best possible O-lineman out there in the run-blocking scheme and go that way. They know that the way they play with Watson, maybe I'm not verbalizing this correctly, but the way they play with Watson, it's all going to work out well. Running the ball, Watson with the play action. Look at the play action numbers. They're phenomenal with Watson. I think that this is part of their thinking signing these guys. It's interesting you bring that up because remember the – I want to say it was the Tennessee win. 
He counted for Deshaun accounted for six touchdowns in that game, five throwing and one rushing. But he only threw for like 218 yards or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was a very small number of yards. Even in New England in that game, I don't know that he his throwing number – I can't remember what his numbers were. I mean, they were pretty good, don't get yeah. me wrong. But they weren't 450 yards. Yeah, right. I mean, the one game where he went off, off the deep end was Seattle, yeah. which yeah. is just incredible. But his numbers were relatively in the in the 230, 240 range. He wasn't breaking a bank with the yardage. It was just really effective, especially down in the red zone. But I remember in that Tennessee game, the the, the Texans had taken that 21 to nothing lead, and then Mariota scored, and the Texans got the ball back after that score, and they pounded Tennessee. That very next drive, I believe it was. It was that drive. I don't think it was the last drive. I think it was that drive. It was that drive. And they just fed Lamar, just kept Mm -hmm. feeding Lamar, and they were mashing the Titans up front. And it was like, wow, where's this offensive line been? And they're just mashing, and Lamar's got all kinds of spots. And then you realize, okay, Deshaun's part of this because they obviously have eyes on Deshaun, but this offensive line is getting a hat on a hat. Tennessee's trying to do some funky stuff up front. They're getting caught in it, and they're just mashing and they ended up kicking a field goal and make it 24-7. But I remember that drive thinking, boy, that I would think is the way that Bill O'Brien would like to see it. Yeah. That when he wants to go to the well, when he wants to hammer and drop a physical dime on the other team, that's the way he's going to do it. It's interesting thought. I, I don't disagree with you in the slightest. I think that's something that absolutely without question those guys are, have got to be able to do. You can't now, sign five Andrew Norwells at this point or whatever. No. I mean, you can't sign five Nate Solders. You can't afford to do that. Sign these guys. They're all very solid. Run the ball well, and everything's going to feed off that anyway. Yeah. And not just – that doesn't mean you run on first and second down. It means that you're mixing it up with Watson, the threat of him running, like we said, all that zone read stuff. It's going to work very well with these guys. To your point, remind me, who won championship this year? Uh, that would be – it wasn't Clemson because that was last year. No. You had Alabama. No, who won the Super Bowl? Oh, that championship. That championship. The, the Philadelphia Eagles and the way yes. they won it. Exactly. How did they win? Everybody say, oh, Nick Foles, this, Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick threw the ball pretty well. But they hammered with a Garrett Blunt, Corey Clement. Those two guys, Jay Ajayi, mm-hmm. those guys were – they had three running backs. And they yep. ran me on a line that was pretty good and was without Jason Peters, which was crazy because Halapalote Vitae did a really nice job over at left tackle – and they moved people off the ball, but they're able to do that because scheme, uh, alignment, spread teams out. Because what Foles and Wentz were doing, throwing the ball, teams were scared. Like, all right, do we leave six in the box? We leave six in the box. you got to be able to check to a run and make them pay for that. That's something I think, to me, when it comes to this offense, and I've heard, I've, I've heard this before, and not not that I've heard Bill say this, but... This offense should have the answers to your questions, meaning you're going to put seven in the box. We got to be able to throw to beat that. We've right. got answers for that. Now we got to execute it. You're going to leave six in the box, and we've got a tight end and even a fullback in there because you're worried about Hopkins or you're worried about Fuller or whatever. We got to be able to run against six in the box. We got to be effective. We have got the answers to the test. We just got to make sure that we're able to execute them. And to me. To your point about running the football, I think that's a, that's a great point, and I think that's exactly what they would like to be able to do. And not just to a point where you're running zone stuff, where you're just kind of position blocking guys. I think they want a people move. They want movement off the ball. And I, I want, and Fulton in particular is the one that I, 
uh, I watched he, I watched he and Senio, uh, uh, not the same game, of course, but I was watching Fulton, and the, my football 101 will be coming up if it's not already there on HoustonTexas.com. But it was a play down on a goal line, and I picked this play in particular for a couple reasons. Number one is against the Titans. Number two is against Jarrell Casey. And number three, because it was a goal line play. And they ran they ran Kareem Hunt on an inside zone play. And so that meant that Fulton had Jarrell Casey essentially one-on-one. Right. And down on the goal line, sometimes for offensive linemen, it's tough. you got those defensive linemen. Casey's shorter, so he kind of wins leverage battles. He gets underneath those offensive linemen. They can't move him. Zach Fulton just moves Casey out of the way. Now, down on the goal line, you're not going to get too much, but you can just tell the power in the hands and the strength that he has to move guys out of the way. And if you're moving them out of the way down on the goal line, my goodness, you're going to be doing that throughout on the field, and the Fulton does that as well. But I think you're absolutely right. I think that this is about getting that run game to balance. Now the question becomes, can Deontay Foreman come back healthy? Or right. are you going to have to look for running back at free agency, or are you going to have to draft one? Yes, yes, and yes, probably all of the above. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I think maybe you're going to so. bring in a rookie for sure. You'll probably get a free agent in here, and I think Foreman, I think they think Foreman is going to come back healthy, yeah. so we'll see how that goes. Side note here, you saw this play out yesterday, Glenn Fulton, Zach's father, and the fact that a buddy of mine texted me, yeah. and he said, oh, Zach Fulton, I, I went to high school, and I thought, well, he didn't go to high school with, Fulton, with his dad, and I thought, oh, that's great. That's really good. With his dad. With a player's dad. I remember in yeah. this business where I started to get older than the players a little bit, and now it's... I am their dad's age or more. Uh, now, my buddy's a little bit older than me, so the dad's a little bit older than me, but still, that, that one kind of hurt a little bit. And Zach Fulton, who's this mountain of a man, and to think that, you know, I'm in his dad's league as yeah. far as demographic. Yeah, I'll yeah, tell you this. Great. You're talking about mountain of a man. When those three guys came in here yesterday, now they're all – I mean, Senio's a little shorter than the others, but, man, he is barrel-chested with but Senio's arms. still listed at 6'3". I know, and yet he was the smallest of them yeah, that came in. Yeah, I thought, in. gosh, he's little compared Holy to Fulton. Smokes. Little at 6'3", three, 3'+. Three and then Chantrell walks in. And Chantrell, oh, oh my he's, he's a planet. Oh. I mean, I, the sun was blocked out. I thought there, the plants were going to die in his shadow. It was, Speaking yeah, it was of, a sight. I, uh, I, you, were at, you were at Miami. Mm-hmm. When Miami played the University of Florida back in the early two early two thousands, and he in the was Sugar Bowl, in the Sugar Bowl, I think he was a, I think he was a retro freshman. Max Starks, you know, playing for the Steelers. Yeah. Max Starks, I coached against him when he was a junior in high school. The biggest kid I've, the biggest football player I've ever seen in my life, ever. Chantrell's bigger than him. He he makes Starks look Lilliputian, yeah. and I never thought that was possible. I I think if Henderson is physically right, which obviously plays into the mental psyche and all that kind of stuff, but he is physically right, I think the Texans could have a gem with him. I really do. I mean, this, is the, this guy was the number one recruit coming out of high school. Mm. And I think what's what's fascinating, people hear that all the time, oh, this guy was the number one recruit, this guy. We're seeing more now because of the number one, you know, number one recruit in high school because you're seeing these guys more. Back, way back in the day, guys never saw I mean, they would see him, but nobody knew him nationally. Right. Now you're seeing these guys, all these combines and everything. Chantrell is unbelievably talented. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. And if he's staying healthy and everything's right, then I think he gets one of those five positions up front. Well, it's good to hear from him right now. Let's hear from another one of these guys. Senio Calamete, Drew Doherty, visited with him right after the signing. Senio Calamete joins me now. And first of all, welcome to, to town. And how exciting is this opportunity for you? 
man, I can't even put it into words, you know, just, I'm just, you know, like I said, I just can't put it into words. I'm just so excited uh, to be here. And like I said, you know, I'm ready to go to work and just uh, ready to meet the guys. Dollars and cents aside, what was the most attractive part of the Texans for you? I feel like, you know, they're they're a young team, and I feel like, you know, uh, with a few key parts um, added, you know, they can definitely be that, you know, championship caliber team. How much did you notice of them, A, from the practice last August and then the, the preseason game after that? Because there's a bit of familiarity, especially over the years as well. You guys have practiced with them, played with them, you know, yeah. every August it seems like. Um, uh, just watching uh, Deshaun Watson and, and, you know, him grow as a player and um, him just being so young, I feel like, um, man, it's just a blessing to be a part of a part of that, you know, to help contribute to, you know, what's what's to come here. And that's pretty high praise because you played and blocked in front of a future Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. But this guy, Deshaun Watson, is something special, too, like you're mentioning, right? Yeah, I mean, they were putting up, what, probably like 40 or 30 and some points, you know, when he was when he was playing. So, I mean, shoot, you know, like I said, the, the sky's the limit for, for this team. How nasty do you have to be as an offensive lineman, and how nasty are you? I mean, you got to get down to the nitty-gritty, man. I mean, you got to be pretty, pretty nasty, <laughs> you know. So... That's enough, right? Huh? That's yeah, all you got to say. That's all I got to say. Well, let's describe for those that haven't watched you play. Who are you as an offensive lineman? What are you like? You know, I, I consider my guy as a as a as a team player. You know, I'm pretty unselfish. Um, I'm a, I'm that guy where you know where, wherever whatever position they need me to play, I'm gonna play it. That's jumbo tight end. I'm fine with jumbo tight end. If that's center, guard, tackle. You know, I'm going to help do my best to help contribute to this team. Yeah, and he's not just saying that because you've actually started at every one of those positions. It's it's pretty pretty crazy if you think about it. It's not like you're just going from uh, one little spot to another. I mean, that's a total different mindset, isn't it? Yeah, it is, you know, and uh, I touched on it um, in the other interview, um, just just knowing so many positions, it kind of just helps you, you know, with the playbook and, and kind of understand what's going on and, and what you need to get done. All right, Senio, we thank you so much for joining us. Can't wait to see you on the field this autumn. All right, thank you. Senio Calamete joining us here on Texans Radio. All right, I want to get to one of the signings today because we talked about the offensive line plenty so far. Yep. Johnson Badamosi, who we saw at the Patriots last year. He was previously with Detroit. He has one career pick, and that was against Brock Osweiler. I was wondering if you were going to say that. The game they played here, and I watched it again, and I just thought (laughs) that was one of those passes where he's throwing at DeAndre Hopkins, but it's kind of underthrown, and, you know, you want to give DeAndre a chance to make a play Mm -hmm. on the ball. You know, if if it's going to get picked. It's not going to get picked if you put it in the proper zip code. Johnson Batamosi is the reason for one of my all-time favorite interviews with Bill O'Brien at halftime. Oh, gosh. Why is it right before? It's right before mm. because they're driving down, and Batamosi picks picks off Brock. And I don't even get the question out of my mouth, and I can already hear Bill going, we can't do that. <laughs> what else you got for me? Coach, how's your defense playing? Good. And that was it. That was done. Yeah. That was it. That was a good, <laughs> some of these <laughs> halftime interviews. I mean, sometimes they're almost better if they're shorter. He'll, but he'll stand there sometimes, and he'll talk for what I would consider to be a while. Yes. I'll put that in air quotes. A while, considering you're in the midst of a game. Yeah. Other times, like, got to coach better, got to play better. Goodbye. Yeah. See you in the locker room. And yeah. I get it because he wants to talk to his team. He doesn't want to deal with that. But that game was actually won by the Texans against yep. Detroit, a playoff game. Don't get me defending the 2016 resume uh, anymore. We're not doing that don't, anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. But Batamosi, how does he fit in? He's a special teams guy. Yeah. 
Isn't he? He's among the top tacklers in the league in special teams since he came into the league. No question. No question at all that when the the opportunity to bring in Johnson Batamosi was floated to Brad Seeley, he was like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He is a tremendous special teams player. And you add him into Brian Peters resigned yesterday, so you've got two really good special teams players. But I wouldn't put it past the Texans, past the defense, to find a way to get Batamosi on the field in coverage because he started three times for the Patriots this year when Stephon Gilmore went down. Now, look, I'm not saying that he's a he's a full-time starter, going to play corner, all that kind of stuff. But he could spot start for you, maybe. He could spot start. He could pick up reps, maybe in nickel, mm-hmm. maybe in dime. And he's been with the Patriots. He's yeah. been with the culture he and knows, all that. He knows the, the terminology, knows the defense. I think it was a really good signing. And he's good size, too. I wouldn't even be opposed to trying him at safety either. All right, we're going to talk with running back coach, Danny Barrett next, but also thoughts on C.J. Fedorowicz, his retirement, and then some on Texans All Access. Getting you ready for a big weekend here. NCAA tournament stuff going on. Of course, NFL free agency got underway this week and will continue till the end of time. No, till whenever. You have the first wave, the second wave, all these different waves. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris. All right, Johnny, before we get to your interview with Danny Barrett, running backs coach, who's a super interesting guy, C.J. Fedorowicz retires Texans at tight end. You know, you look at Ryan Griffin, good, solid tight end. He's had some concussion issues also. It's too bad. It really is too bad with CJ. I mean, this is a player that was just coming into his prime. You look at what he did in 2016. It was phenomenal under the circumstances, and he was well on his way to becoming a Pro Bowl-type tight end, but he gets derailed because of injuries, concussions especially. Yeah, I hate it. I remember the first day that we saw CJ. We were in a locker room, and the rookies had gotten in there. We were getting some time with them, and you walk by and you point at the guy and said, who's that? And I said, that's Fedorowicz. And you went, the tight end? I yeah. mean, he was, he was that big. I, he, You know, his 2016 was just phenomenal. I mean, he was such a key in that passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was so he was so fun to watch. He was a really good blocking tight end. And I agree with you. I think he was really – he had signed the extension. He was, I thought, ready to take that next step and just got to a point with the concussions that it was too much. Best I, catch. Was it the Colts in 2016 or the Titans in the back of the end zone in 2016? Well, the best catch was the one against the Titans. The most important one was the one against the Colts. Yeah. I mean, the one against the Colts was miraculous almost. Oh, and, that, you know, Osweiler, that was probably his best throw as a Houston Texan. Yeah. I mean, he was that close to having Mike Adams knock that thing down. But C.J. caught that. I'll never forget having – my reaction to it is I saw the ball in the air – it was just sort of a surreal night because there were so many kind of missed opportunities in that game. I remember stopping the Colts on fourth and one and then giving the ball right back to them in the very next play, Vontae Davis, and they oh. score. And it's like the game was uncomfortable all night, so I just felt like, yeah, Lamar scored. It was a great play, but then they got the ball back and thought, I don't know. maybe. And then he hits Fedora, which it was such a shock. They tied they this game. They yeah. tied this game. And, and C.J. obviously was a big part of that. But that Tennessee game in 16 – when he kind of broke out, I mean, it just showed what he was capable of doing. And he was definitely missed this year. I can only imagine what this offense would have looked like to have that layer to it. So where do you find a replacement? And I think there are a couple of ways to look at this. Number one, do you have to find a blocking tight end? Because you've got receiving tight ends in Ryan and uh, Steven Anderson. Do you have to find a guy in this draft? And I said before, there aren't too many guys in this draft that are going to be like CJ. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of really good athletes in this draft. At that position. You Mike Kosicki from Penn State's a just sick guy. Hayden Hurst from South Carolina. But he won't be there in the third round. No, I wouldn't think either one of them would be there in the third round. But how about this name? Ian Thomas 
Well, that, from that was the guy in my Vandermock. You did a great job with that. Thank you. You did a great job with that. I would love to see him at the back end of the third round. And it's funny because we had a question. I don't remember when it was, but I think we were maybe talking to John McClain about this. If we felt like going in that there's three picks in the third round, one's O-line, one's secondary, I don't want to say that that's a lock, but I still think they'll go O-line and secondary to continue to bolster those areas. And we thought, okay, what could be a wild card third pick? And I said pass rusher at the time. I think almost without a doubt it ends up being tight end at this point. Okay, we'll see how that plays out. I know what's going to play out really well, though. You talk to Danny Barrett, new running backs coach right here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Pleased to be joined by our next guest. Before I introduce him, I'll tell, tell a little story. I texted our buddy Andre Ware, and I said, Andre, you're going to love our new running backs coach. And he goes, why? And I said, because he's got a whole career in the CFL. We've got this text string between Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and myself talking about CFL football every single summer. And I told him it was Danny Barrett. He goes, I know Danny. And Danny Barrett joins us now. Coach, congratulations. Glad you're here. Thank you so much. Andre Ware mm-hmm. gives you huge thumbs up. So that obviously is big in our book. You know what? Uh, I'm excited to hear that because we go way back, as they say, <laughs> uh, back in the 90s. Uh, uh, Andre, when he was finishing up, you know, his career came through the Ottawa Rough Riders. Yeah. And uh, and we were teammates for a short time that one year, and uh, we developed a, a friendship and a relationship there. And you know we've stayed in touch, you know, periodically over the time. And and I'm excited to be here. You know, obviously, you know, he reached out once I uh, I signed on to come on board, and he's excited as well. To, you know that we're back in the same city. That is that's very cool. We're gonna talk a little bit about the CFL, but coach, the Texans in particular. I'll ask anybody that comes in here that's why Houston, why here, what. What made this an attractive destination for you? Well, a couple of things. You know, one, uh, you know, you look at the, the the talent level that's here. You know, obviously, you want to go to a place where you have an opportunity to succeed and be successful. And I just looked at this organization. You know, they reached out to myself, and I think it was a mutual feeling, you know, from the start, you know, as, as far as the talent level and how we move forward, yep. you know, to, to be back to the number one team in the South. AFC South, yep. and I wanted to be a part of something like that. Talent level in the backfield, offensive skill talent, I like it. Uh, I think we got an outstanding quarterback to boot as well, and then we're putting the pieces together up front, you know, to complement, you know, our skill position set. So I'm excited about that. You know, love to coach the game. I got a good group of guys in my room that I'm looking forward to working with. When you were at the Senior Bowl, I think you may have been hired all of a few days. Correct. And we had seen that news, and then we go to the Senior Bowl, and there you are coaching. And I I was on the sideline, and I like to watch coaches. Having come from a coaching background, I like to watch coaches. You have an energy that, that never stops. The players that have played for you, what would they say about you, Danny Barrett, the coach? What would they say is probably the one thing that stands out to them the most? Well, one, I think you hit on the head, it's going to bring lots of energy, positive energy, Yep. you know, every day, you know, regardless of whether we're in the meeting room, on the practice field, or game day. To me, it's all the same. A former player myself, uh, and enjoying the coach around, I love what I do. And I think it, uh, it it shows, you know, in my attitude about the game and my approach to the game. So I'm going to bring positive energy every day and knowledge of the position itself and knowledge of the game. You know, I, I believe in, you know, the, a well-prepared player is going to be the most successful player. So we're going to be prepared to play each and every day, and it's going to carry on game day. Okay. Now we got to get to the CFL part of this because I'm so intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. 
first of all, you got 12 guys on the field. Right. You've got guys going in motion all over the place. Yep. How different is a play call in the CFL versus the NFL? Well, one, with all the unlimited motions uh, from an offensive standpoint, yeah. it's a quarterback's dream. Okay, you got to love it from a quarterback <laughs> yeah. standpoint because you got receivers with a running start. Running start. I mean, it's amazing. Even the guys that run a 4-8 look like they're 4-5, <laughs> you know, with that running start because the ball is out of pocket so much yeah. quicker. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the biggest thing, what I had to get adjusted to in my career up there was getting used to three downs. Yeah. See, that's the toughest part. Three downs and you still got 10 yards. So there are no waste downs. Yep. So, you know, you look at first down, you got to get something positive on first down because you don't want to be in second and long just like you don't want to be in third and long in the NFL. Right. So once you get used to that and there's no waste downs, you take advantage of every opportunity, the game becomes so much more fun for you. Yeah. And the punter loves you because he's not that kicking his leg out. <laughs> how did that experience up there change how you looked at the 11-man game here in the United States? Because you went from there, you went to the college realm for a little bit, then you went to the NFL. How did that change the way you perceived the game and maybe change the way you looked at the game after spending the years in the CFL that you did? Well, it's just a good question, too, uh, because I had to kind of reverse my thought process from the wide-open, unlimited, bigger field to the smaller field. When I came back, I'm thinking, okay, we can't do this, we can't do that. But it also allowed me to continue to think outside the box, yep. too. What can we do? You know, how can I help, you know, uh, implement different styles of offense in the places that I've been, you know, uh, along with the uh, the things that we did in the CFL? You know, the biggest thing now is the RPOs. Yeah, You know, per se, you know, uh, down here in the NFL. That's a part of the CFL game, every play in the run game. So that's easy for me to come back. I just have to get used to the – Offensive linemen being down the field because yeah. supposedly they'll call it in the NFL, but they don't. It's exactly not even right. thought about in the CFL. So yeah. that's been the biggest thing, just that adjustment. And then how do you utilize your personnel as far as matchups? You know, obviously your running back is key. You know, working the, up in the CFL is matchups with linebackers and, and defensive backs that – per se nickel guy. So you can get a back in the NFL that can be a three-down back for you. He's going to be special. To that end, three-down backs, we want him to do everything. Run the ball, pass, protect, catch the ball in the backfield. We want him to be we want him to be superstars. Those are the things I think we'd all want in a running back. Mm-hmm. But it goes beyond that. For somebody that coaches the position, what is it that you want to see in an NFL running back? Overall consistency, one. You know, not the highs and the lows that a lot of guys have. You can have a big game one week and you, we don't see you for a couple of weeks. So just every day with that work ethic that you want to continue to improve your game, one, you got to take care of the football. Ball security is number one in my book. And then you have to be productive. When your number is called, you know, what are you going to bring to the table in your skill set that can help us win football games, you know? And so if you got a guy that's a first and second down back, that's first and second down, let's go get first downs. And if I need a third down back, per se, for pass protection or in the pass game, let's utilize that skill set. Work within yourself. Work within the skill set that you have. And let's be consistent with it and take care of the football. Is there somebody in your coaching career that along the way, or maybe just in your football career, that you've looked at as sort of a mentor, somebody that you look up to? Maybe that not that you model everything after, right. but maybe somebody that was instrumental in your career. I know for Bill O'Brien it was me. But for you, who would have been? I'm kidding, of course. But uh, he wouldn't be here without me. I know that. Amen. But is there somebody like that for you that you look at and say, 
this guy was very instrumental in my career and got me to this point. Well, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's a combination of guys that I work with, you know, starting out, you know, especially in the CFL, you know. I went from the playing field straight into coaching, yep. you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, my background is I played quarterback, you know, in the CFL and throughout my college years as well. And so when I first started coaching, went right from playing to coaching. And so a guy by the name of Wally Warno gave me that first opportunity. So I'm always going to be grateful and thankful for him. He saw in me the work ethic as a player to allow me to have a room the very next year, guys that I had played alongside of. And so I'm always going to be thankful for that. Roy Shivers is another gentleman, you know, that comes to mind. He's a former CFL player back uh, – sorry, NFL player back in the 70s, a uh, running back with the St. Louis Cardinals. He gave me an opportunity to be a head coach in the, in the Canadian Football League. So, again, these guys were instrumental in helping me to develop not only the mindset to be a coach but also how to evaluate talent. So I'll go back to those two guys. And since I've been in the States, you know, obviously George O'Leary gave me yep. an opportunity, you know, at Central Florida – you know, uh, had opportunity to turn that program around and keep it going to where it's at today. Now it's in the national spotlight. Yep. And uh, and so, again, a lot of the guys in the NFL, you know, uh, coaches in the NFL, the running back guys that I've come across, Stump, Mitchells, uh, you got Skipper, you know, at Carolina, those guys there, Stoosville at Denver, even though he's at Miami now, uh, the enemy, all those guys, Deuce Daly, uh, all those guys have reached out, you know, as I came into the league and offered well, whatever experience they've had to myself as well. So I'm grateful for those guys as well. I've thought about coaching running backs for a long time. From this standpoint, Coach, what's the most difficult thing with a running back? Because I remember Tony Dorsett saying, don't don't tell me where to run, just let me, just let me go. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it to coach a running back and say, okay, you went to this hole, but you should have gone to this hole. And yet you want the running back to – you just want him to just go at times. Right. How tough is that to kind of navigate with them, those guys that just want to go what they see and run where they see? Right. How tough is that to coach? And, and again, it's difficult uh, for those guys to understand, one, that they have to be patient, first of all. You know, if they're patient and understand what we're trying to accomplish – what I'm saying is that from a scheme schematic right, standpoint, right. you know, from a schematic standpoint, you know, understanding the whys and the wins of the play, you know, and how you want to approach that. Right. Every, they're running backs because they run the football. Right. Okay. But to teach them to have that patience and to set up blocks, that's some of the toughest things. It's not always how fast you can get there. It's once you get there, can you accelerate through and get to the second level? I think that's the toughest part. The initial, the initial hole and cut either is there or it's not. Right. Once they get there, now they have to understand, do I go left, right, or do I go straight? Do I make a move or do I try to run him over? Those are the things I try to help the guys with in the running game and from a running standpoint. The biggest challenge for me is now the game has evolved from your 20-door set days to yeah. – more of a passing threat yeah. now coming out of the backfield. So with the with the quarterback background that I have, you know, I take pride in the guys. One, we should never drop a pass. Sure. Okay, because, you know, I'm throwing balls at practice like I still can throw it on the field. Yep. So we should never drop a pass. But also we should be where the quarterback expects for you to be because it's important from a discipline and detail standpoint that they take care of all those little things in the passing game. Pass protection is always going to be tough because they're not used to doing that in college. So once they develop some sound technique and knowing how to just, hey, stay in front of a guy, then you become the complete package. Coach, can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you very much.
Thank you for having me. Enjoying it. John Harris with Danny Barrett, New Texans running backs coach. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Thank you, Johnny, for being on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. NCAA tournament stuff is on the way, so stay tuned. This is Texans Radio. Go Texans.